This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 233. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Color Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, my name is John Middick. This is a Color Pencil Podcast. I am your host, and I'm joined by Barb. Welcome back, Barb. It was. It seems like a week since we've spoken. I think it has been. Feels like an eternity to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you? So you can follow Barb at Barb Sodi Art on all your social media channels, and is that the that's the name of your website as well, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. How goes it today? Oh, it's going great. Sun awesome. shining. It's a beautiful Sunshine. day. <laughs> but it's snowing, right? Or is there is it snowing or just snow on the ground? Actually, fun fact, Calgary gets some of the most <laughs> some of the most sun in uh, all of Canada, even oh, when there's right? snow on the ground. So it's oh, it's good. quite lovely. All right. So you may recall last week Barbara and I were talking about this approach to executing in color pencil, and we talked about there being two different, broadly, two different types of approaches. There's this planning approach and intuitive approach, and we pretty much discussed planning and just being very regimented in your process and figuring out what you wanted the end to look like from the beginning, and we talked a lot about that. And so today we wanted to revisit the topic of different approaches to executing a colored pencil and talk about the intuitive process. And I, I don't I don't feel like that this type of process gets a whole lot of attention or as much attention, I should say, in the colored pencil community. It is overlooked a little bit. I mean, there are different artists out there that work more intuitively. They're not, you know, uh, strictly following a uh, realism approach or photorealism approach, but I don't feel like that those are the ones that are getting a lot of attention or in the limelight. And there's not the they're not the ones that we're putting up on the stage, are they? Yeah, I think there there tends to be a lot more people doing photorealism and and not necessarily maybe more of the explorative, uh, creative approaches to things. And that's Why? not to say that those people don't exist. I don't know. I think I think you know part of it. Part of it for me, I think, is that people really didn't realize what colored pencil was capable of, and so. Yeah. I, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's just, I think a lot of people were trying to maybe prove that, you know what, what you can do with oil paint or acrylic paint or whatever, or these other mediums, pastel, you can do it with colored pencil. And, right. and I think, you know, certainly where I live, it still, for the most part, has a reputation of being a child's medium. And yeah. I think, you know... It, there's been this sort of, I think, campaign, maybe somewhat mm-hmm. intentionally or unintentionally within the community that, you know, people people want to really prove that it's like, no, you can do really high level realism with this medium. It's right. it's not just for coloring books. It's not just exactly. for, you know, and and so I think, you know, maybe that's why you're seeing a lot of, I mean, I mean, it's also... I think compared to paint, if uh, some people find painting really hard um, and, and not intuitive at all. So I think, you know, the, if you're, if you're coming from graphite, especially, especially like you did um, it's, it, I think a lot of people find it almost easier to achieve realism with colored pencil, even though mm-hmm. there is, you know, a lot of layering and a process to it as well. Um, but I think, it's harder in some ways though. Yeah. hundred really. percent it is. 
But I think, you know, I think part of it has been part of it has been just trying to prove that, hey, this is possible. And, no, I think uh, that's right. And yeah. when we see uh, color pencil shows, or not even just color pencil shows, but when we see some type of exhibit or um, any kind of show and there are colored pencil pieces, usually the ones that make it in that show, uh, whether it's online or in person, are the highly realistic renderings. Um, yeah. I have seen, though, some of the more illustration-type colored pencil pieces but when i see that it's kind of like yeah we've seen that done before and uh, I, I think that's right that it's not holding the medium up on a pedestal like so many of us are wanting to have happen we're wanting it to be a direct competitor to oil paintings acrylic pastel watercolor and that sort of thing and so i think that's part of the reason for that but the, but the other thing is then we're talking about maybe um, you know, not being able to achieve this highly detailed and realistic rendering if we're using the medium in an intuitive manner. And I want to submit today that that is not necessarily the case, that you can be intuitive and still come up with a very representational piece of artwork where it's very highly detailed as well. I, I didn't always think that. And uh, I do now. It's sort of crossing over into more of a painting medium. And one thing that I want to talk about a little later on is the fact that I, I've used water recently with some of my process. But before we talk about that, I, I just want to say that for a while now, there have been so many colored pencil artists that use solvent or use odorless mineral spirits when they're creating their highly detailed realistic pieces in colored pencil. Often they'll refer to it as this is a colored pencil painting. They're not being real intuitive. Many of them are not. They're still planning that out and they're figuring out what they're going to work through, figuring out the end result from the beginning. And so using the OMS is essentially trying to get complete coverage of an area in order to have a more painterly kind of look or a more saturated look. Uh, do you use OMS? I, you know what I used to before I started using more mixed media in my work? Oh, um, gotcha. When I was first experimenting with colored pencil, I definitely um, I tried that out a lot. I didn't love it personally. Um, I, I, I mean, I've definitely created work with that, but it just wasn't giving me the results that I wanted. I think there's definitely a benefit to it. And I also, I'm a little bit sensitive to um, odors and stuff like that. I realize that it's called odorless, but there's still a bit of an odor. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you're going to love it when I talk about this water yeah. process. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, I definitely experimented with it initially. And I know people who've, who, you know, continue to get really great results with that, but it just wasn't something that, um, resonated with me mm -hmm. too much and i think um you know i think it also in my opinion tends to work with certain brands better than others so True. um yeah like it's it's like i like i would say for example it works better with like polychromos than it does with prismacolor so it's not right um and you know and i'm sure a lot of that has to do with the the binders and the actual right. um physical you know makeup of of the color pencil but um, it's, it's not something, I mean, you, you certainly could, I mean, for that matter, you could, if you were using OMS, you could probably do an entire piece just 
you know, dissolving all of your colored pencil. And right. and you could probably get some actually really cool effects with that. I don't know that anyone's necessarily 100% done that without then going over top of it and covering the entire, like, almost like treating it like watercolor, I guess. You could, you could almost yeah, approach it you, that way. Yeah, you can get really close to um, some renderings that look like washes, I would yes. say. Yes. When you're using, and it depends on the support too. I mean, if you're using right. like a cotton paper, often, uh, especially if it doesn't have any sizing on it, and you're talking about like Stonehenge or something similar. Mm-hmm. Also, the Strathmore toned tan and gray papers, those do this as well, where if you put something down on it, a little bit of colored pencil, and then you put the OMS on top of that with a paintbrush, it's like a drop of water hitting a parched, sanded surface, you know, out yeah. in the Sahara. I mean, it just, yeah. boom, absorbs it so quickly. I mean, <laughs> That is an amazing description. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I think of. It's just like, wow, did yeah. I even put that on there? It vanished so quickly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, but um, it soaks right through the paper. You see it on the other yeah, side. Just so it's right like, away. where is it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, yeah. it was not designed for this. No. And I've even done that with some that, you know, they're labeled mixed media. And you put that on there and it's like, wow, it's certainly maybe for water or something. But no, you kind of just have to test it and play around with it and figure out which papers will work and which ones don't. But those that just absorb it right away for those types of papers. I usually build up quite a few layers first, and then I'll use OMS a little bit on top of that. And then you can kind of work it around, use the medium more like a a painting kind of thing. But it still has that level of just absorbing it very quickly. I think that's a really important thing to mention, too, just about the different types of papers not interacting with it really well. Because I think often I see OMSs like uh, it's a really popular recommended blending solvent for colored pencil but what i think is never always mentioned in conjunction to that is that uh, it doesn't work on every paper well it does not right and i think some people sometimes people are probably trying that out and then finding oh like this isn't for me because it doesn't work and it yeah, getting discouraged. Yeah, totally. When it's like, ah, it's it's pro- it might just be the combination of paper you're using. So, I mean, definitely pencils, a yeah. great point saying that, you know, some experimentation is is needed. And also, I would I would add to that. Um, sometimes too, you have to experiment with the amount that you're using. Like often, yeah. you don't actually need to be using that much. Right. Um, and also, really waiting for it to completely dry before you continue on top of it, which right, um, it right. does dry relatively quickly. And depending on where you live, like it's there's not a lot of humidity where I live, so that stuff dries. Like it yesterday, it was dry, but <laughs> 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 you know. But uh, it's yeah, I think there's there's definitely experimentation yeah. involved if you're if you're trying to use some of these other mediums to sort of be more explorative. Um, you you have to take the experimentation with a grain of salt and realizing that your first try and your first combination of paper and whatever might not be the one that works. Right. Very true. We're talking about OMS, but really what we're talking about is in the context of being intuitive when you're using colored pencil. And yeah, the background does make a big difference, or I shouldn't say background, but the support rather in the paper that you're using does make a big difference. And then we can go on the opposite end of the spectrum and we could talk about how fluid and how the combination of OMS and colored pencil together on a non-absorbent surface 
really emulates just painting. I mean, you're you're painting with a wash of, of watercolor or something like that. It, it can be such a different experience depending on the, the paper uh, that you're using, the substrate that you're um, actually working on. When we're talking about an intuitive process, then it's a full gamut, right? I mean, you could you could not plan everything out if you wanted to and just start uh, landing on the project right away, figuring it out as you go. If you wanted to do that, a little bit of preparation and planning usually goes a long way. But I think that a non-absorbent surface is a nice thing to experiment on if you're someone who likes a little more freedom in their creation process and you like to just figure it out as you go and it would allow for a lot more erasing, uh, allow for you to move medium around using a solvent like we talked about or just completely going over a dark area with a lighter pencil. In traditional methods, when you're using like a cotton paper and colored pencil, it's not something that you can usually do that is put uh, a light color over a dark color. But in these ways of rendering with this intuitive type of process, you can do that. So I'm talking about specifically, you can use pastel mat, sanded paper, like UART premium sanded paper. You can lay down some very, very dark areas with colored pencil, and then you can go over the tops of those areas in your project with a light colored pencil, and it will show up. When I figured out that that was possible, to me, it was it just spelled out freedom to me. And it was like, wow, I can actually do that? This is a game changer. I've gravitated in that direction, Barb. I started using non-absorbent surfaces now for the past uh, several pieces. Pastel mat in particular, that's a really good one that I really love. I can be very intuitive on that. UART sanded paper, I love the 800 grit sanded paper. I've been very intuitive working on that particular paper. Do you How do you use feel? It? Uh, no, actually, I haven't had a chance to try any of them, mm-hmm. but um, I not for lack of not wanting to, just... Uh, I've had trouble actually getting the one paper type in my area. I haven't actually found a store that sells it and ordering it online is when you live in Canada and you're paying us dollars, it's a little much. (laughs) Someone send me a sample. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Anyways, uh, no, it's, I haven't had a chance to use any of those, but it, it I, I've definitely seen some really interesting results with that. I mean, I have heard, though, that they tend to kind of chew up your pencils a little quick. What's been your experience on that? That's been my long-held belief before I use any of those surfaces, is that, oh, no, it'll chew up my pencils. I'll have to go right. invest in twice as many pencils and that kind of thing. Um, and what I found was the exact opposite. It does chew up. It does use a lot of pencils. That's because it actually uses it. It actually puts it in that place and it renders it very quickly. So I'm not having to restate lines. I don't have to do 100 lines, a uh, 100 layers rather of pencil on Stonehenge paper. I can do a couple of layers, a few layers on a sanded surface and I'm done in that area. And if I want to keep going, I can. That's the incredible thing about it. It will take multiple, multiple layers. I can get nearly as many as I can on Stonehenge. Do you think that it's actually maybe just using the exact same amount? It's just doing it quicker? I think it is. I think it's it's doing it quicker. It's the weirdest thing because it makes your medium more opaque. When you're on a cotton surface, when you're on a, 
a paper, a cotton paper. It's almost like you, you lay the pencil down and these light, small layers of pencil looks like you kind of put something down. It's like, wow, I used dark pencil and it looks light. You're building up those layers of colored pencil, just one layer at a time, one slow layer at a time. And eventually you'll have this really nice look. Now I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad look. It's not. It's, I think it's one of the best looks is to get all those layers on a Stonehenge surface. It's one of the best ways that colored pencil can be presented, I think. But when I moved over to sanded paper, it was like, wow, this is freedom. I've, I've done all this quicker, and I can change it if I want to. Do you feel like you're getting more of a, like a, a result of like a pastel than doing it that yeah, way? Yeah, it kind of looks like more of a pastel look. It sort of feels more like that as well. Your, your pencils, actually, if you're using polychromos in particular, there's dust that will occur quite a bit with your pencils. And if you're working vertically, then you're seeing a lot of that dust just kind of drop down, you know, in your tray there, you've got dust that will occur. I guess you are wasting a little bit of the pencil, but not a lot. Are you finding though, in comparison to say a pastel pencil, um, are like you're you're making a comment about the dust, but it's not near as much dust though. Yeah, I was gonna say one of the complaints I would say about pastel that why a lot of people sometimes don't like it is it has that sort of chalky approach, right? right? So uh, and right. and it tends to kind of brush off really easily. Do you find a difference with colored pencil? Like, does it like even though you're getting that dust still, or do you find it still stays a lot more? It does stay more than chalk pastel than soft pastel, but there is that risk of if you sneeze too hard or cough on it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might just see a Which few. You, you shouldn't know, <laughs> be doing anyways. <laughs> 30, right. Maybe, maybe not do that anyways, but you might see 30 minutes of work just vanish before you're right. No, it's not that bad, but you do run that risk a little bit that some of it seems to be a little more fluid and like it can be blown away. The reason why I know that is I use an air rocket to get rid of debris. And when I'm on a sanded surface, and I start pressing that air rocket to expel air and blow away debris on the surface, and some of the uh, some of the dust, you know, will start collecting a little bit on the surface. If I blow that too hard and directly in a spot, I can blow some of the pencil layers that I put down, and it will cause it to be removed from your surface. And so I don't blow it quite as hard usually, or I have my air rocket with a little more, you know, distance from the surface. It usually does a pretty nice job. You're talking a little bit about how you have a lot more freedom now when you're creating your artwork. What what do you feel like, I mean, other than having more freedom, how do you feel like that's changed your artwork? Or do you feel like it's changed your artwork being able to, to work a little bit more intuitively? I think it's improved my artwork. I think it has made me a better artist. I think there's a definite difference in the level of work that I'm able to produce on these non-absorbent surfaces only because I am still planned and I'm still sort of regimented about how I process through a piece, but I'm relaxed. I'm more confident. And I think that has made a big difference in the way I show up. I've become much more confident because of that surface. I can totally change something. If I put something down and I think, oh, I didn't really like that, I can ch I can change that entirely. There's hardly a time that I say to myself, oh, it's too late. I already did that. I cannot change that anymore because I did this, this, and this. Like I laid down too many layers of dark in this area, so there, it's impossible now to make that lighter. 
Not true. With sanded paper, certainly, even with pastel matte to a large degree, I can go ahead and go back over the top of that with a lighter pencil and I can totally change that area. Now, the experience on pastel matte is a little bit different in that regard where if I lay down something pretty dark and I've built it up to enough layers, you start in this path of, of burnishing so many layers. I'm not going to get any more layers on there without gliding around on the surface. But if you press just a little bit harder on pastel mat, it's the weirdest thing, it will dig up some of those subsequent layers that you've laid down and replace those with the new layer. It's a real fine tooth. It, it's nearly like replacing the layer that you just put down and it'll put it right up on top of that layer or it'll kind of dig into that layer of pigment and it will replace it. I don't know how else to explain it other than yeah. that. It's kind of weird, but once you experience <laughs> it, you're like, oh yeah, that's cool how that works. So I guess from a, you know, just in a comparison perspective, when we were talking about last episode about, um, you know, planning and, and color pencil tending to be a little bit rigid that way, because, yeah. you know, it, because it, it tends to not be forgiving, especially when you're right. talking about working on some of the more traditional um, paper surfaces with it. So I guess if you were someone who was wanting to work a little bit more intuitively and wanted a little bit more flexibility in the way you were working, it sounds like this surface is kind of the way to go with that. I think so. If you're somebody, you're listening today and you've only used maybe Stonehenge or you've used a 140-pound watercolor paper or something like that, and you're wanting more flexibility and freedom to work more intuitively, then what I would say is try either UART 800 grit or 600 grit paper and or the pastel mat and just, you know, just experiment on it and see what you think. I think that going in the direction of using the pastel mat would be less different for somebody using cotton paper and jumping over to sanded paper. For me, I tried it years and years ago. I tried UART pastel paper and the sanded surface to me, it just, it felt so weird. I could not get past that gritty feel whenever I would lay the pencil down. Someone talked about it uh, a few years ago, now a couple of years ago, I don't remember now, about it again. And they were talking about how well they liked it. And I thought, I'll try that again. And so I gave it a second shot. And when I did, I just kept an open mind and I thought, I'm not going to think about how it feels. All I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend like I'm using Stonehenge and I'm going to layer. I'm going to keep my pencils real sharp and I'm going to layer just like I always do. I started doing that and I loved it. How do you feel like it affects your initial line drawing, though? This sounds like it would be a completely different uh, process change for people who are used to working in the normal, you know, the, uh, not the normal, yeah. the, the popular, let's call them, yeah. types of papers. Do you find when you're you're doing your initial line drawing for, say, a portrait or something, do you need to approach it in a different way? Or are you really relying on doing it freehanded as opposed to having a, a line drawing that you then transfer onto your piece of paper? You cannot get a real clean transfer. Yeah. I will say that it is more difficult to get a clean transfer if you're somebody who you rely on doing a transfer or tracing or something like that, that's so hard to do on sanded paper. So, and somebody may be listening to that and thinking, well, that doesn't sound good. You know, how am I going to make sure it's accurate and all that? Here's the nice thing about it, though. 
you can keep correcting it. You still have the option. So it doesn't really handcuff you because if you figure out, oh, that's not right, the perspective's off, or oh, look at the, the relationship between the, you know, the nose and the mouth, too great a distance there or whatever. You can just redraw it and it will go on there. And that's the amazing thing about it. And that's what sold me on it is I can just keep correcting things. And really that's kind of the way I draw anyway. And it's it really has become a problem it became a problem, I'll put it that way, when I was using Stonehenge is because I would be drawing and then all of a sudden I'd feel like I'm nearly done and I'd look and I'm like, oh, that's all wrong. The nose is wrong. You know, I would find out that I did something incorrectly and it looked right for so long, you know, but I'm in that fourth week or fifth week of drawing that portrait and then I figure out I'm wrong about something. It's too late, you know. I mean, it's there's some things you can do, but I mean, it's harder to correct those things. On a sanded surface, I can even use a blunt pencil. I don't have to have that super sharp point on my pencil. I can correct things and I can go over the light over dark, like I mentioned, or I can totally eradicate something and kind of start over if I need to. I, I can use solvent and just get rid of different areas. What I, what I think is interesting about that too, and I think for people who really want to get into colored pencil, but maybe have been turned off by that rigidness and not being able to fix things or yeah or you know i mean the fact of the matter is like all artists are different and not everybody wants that level of unforgivability in in their work and i mean it's it's part of what you know between oil and acrylic for example and even pastel for that matter the fact that you are able to kind of explore a little bit and get those kind of happy blending accidents sometimes and and you know go over things and fix them without feeling like you need to start over that i think is is really appealing sometimes especially people who are very new to those mediums i think that that can be really appealing but um colored pencil hasn't necessarily had um i think as easy of a solution with that like certainly there are ways to sort of correct mistakes, but they always seem to be um, not as, they're still not very forgiving. Like there's only so far you can correct something without it still being like, ugh, I I might, this still doesn't look right. Yeah. Just like with erasing. I mean, it's like you still have the ghosting though. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't totally erase it. Yeah. So I think for people who want to get into color pencil that are maybe wanting a little bit more fluidity or freedom with their, you know, their expression with it or, or how it's, um, you know, the type of mark making they can make with it. This sounds like this is a kind of a good solution to be able to still use for that matter. Some people, you know, again, people have sensitivities to say oil paint and stuff like that. I mean, I think they're, they're making a lot of strides and not making them have as much of an odor anymore. And you can get right. water-based ones and that sort of thing. But um, I think people who are really drawn to the idea of using colored pencil, this sounds like, you know, if, if you didn't like the idea of, again, that rigidity, this mm-hmm. sort of offers another alternative and it allows you to create artwork that I'm actually, I'd be really curious to see, because um, you're right, like just kind of going back to what you said earlier, you see a lot of high realism and that sort of thing, but you don't really see um, as much of an enemy. And part of that is because of the way the medium actually performs, but you don't see a lot of the sort of more like, I want to say like impressionist t- type styles of artwork or, you know, anything that's kind of in, in sort of a different realm of execution. Right. Just because right. it seems like it really lends itself really well to certain, you know, either really illustrative stuff or really right. high realism. But it would be awesome to see, you know, given 
your experience with the sanded paper, it would be awesome to see somebody doing something that had more of that, you know, soft painterly look. And, yeah, and or that impressionistic, has, you know, totally. like some landscapes that are more impressionistic yeah. and things like that. I think it would, especially the sanded paper, I think, lends itself to more of that kind of look. I mean, if someone is interested mm. in, in executing more intuitively like that. You know, the thing that I've done is uh, I just started using uh, sanded paper for portraits, and I sort of accidentally came upon this. I don't remember how or why I was using polychromos, and I was testing on some sanded paper, and I grabbed my water brush that was sitting there, and I just started using it on polychromos uh, dark indigo that I laid down on sanded paper and it started liquefying and blending it and creating like this wash out of that polychromos and I thought what is this strange thing happening just with water even just only with water just with water I could wow. not believe it I was like what in the world why is this working and I could and I thought why what is it and so I looked at my water brush and I thought did I put solvent in this or something and so yeah. I grabbed another water brush it was empty I went and filled it up and then I tried it again I thought yeah it is working and uh, and then I put some water in a cup and grabbed some other brushes Started working with it, playing around with it a little bit, and then I had to put it away. I had some other things I had to had to get done, and I had a dream. This is the truth. I had a dream that night, and I thought I thought to myself, I thought I had that dream, and then I woke up the next day and I thought that was all a dream, wasn't it? And I I walked back over to the to the drawing desk, and there it was that testing that I had done the the night before. I thought no, <laughs> I really did that. It really did work. I know that sounds like I made that up, but it is the truth, and. Uh, there's no way of confirming or denying it, so <laughs> we're just going to have to believe that you dreamt it. I don't always dream, but when I do, I dream. No, okay. So anyway, <laughs> so I thought, okay, there's got to be something to this. Why is this working? So I just set up this test. I turned on my cameras and I started videoing it, and I tested like several different papers. Stonehenge, I tested Clairefontaine pastel mat, and sanded paper, of course. And some mixed media paper. Try to figure out, okay, I've always thought you could not dissolve oil and wax-based pencils with water, which logically makes sense. Why would you be able to do that? But that did work, and I didn't think it would work. So what, what will it do on all these other papers? So I just tested a whole bunch of papers, and what I found is that it works very, very well on sanded paper. You still get some pretty good results on pastel mat. If you're using cotton paper, it really doesn't do a whole lot to it. It doesn't really work all that well. The sanded paper, though, it's just, I could not believe how much you change the medium a little bit. It's, it's almost like you're just creating a watercolor out of this oil-based pencil. And the oil-based pencils do work the best, in particular, the polychromos works better than probably any of the other ones I've tried. Derwent Lightfast, though, works as well. But it, it was just an incredible thing to be able to find that out. And so I started testing and figuring out how to layer and use that to my advantage. I got to tell you, it's something that now I use quite a bit, and I'll use it initially, just lay down some layers really quickly, and then I just use like a water brush, and I'll just kind of move it around to get things sort of in the spot that they need to be to make that comparison and bring this full circle a little bit, how it differs from planning. But used to, I would just have this strict line drawing. 
that I was going to follow, planning everything out. Now, often with a portrait, I just block in large shapes. I've done that with a, a landscape as well. Dark value over here. This is a light value over here. Kind of scribble that in, use my water brush, kind of work that around a little bit, figure out where all these dark and light values are. And then I keep refining the process as I work through the layers. And so I'm working the opposite from what I used to do when I'm using Stonehenge paper and I'm planning everything out from the beginning. It's been a lot of fun. And what do you think it is about that uh, sanded paper? Like, do you think it's it's breaking down the pigment in a way, in the same way that, say, like an OMS does? Like, it's just refining it so that you're able to? Um, like, is it disintegrating it somehow? Like, It's handling it differently because I don't really think that it's breaking down the binders and the pigments and pencil lead itself as much as it's spreading it out. Because... Right. You've got that fine grit. Like I like the 800 grit. It works on the 600 as well, probably others. But the 800 in particular, such a fine, fine grit that when you're laying down that polychromos pencil, it creates that dust that we talked about. It's breaking down everything by virtue of it rubbing up against something so abrasive yet so fine that the tooth, the fingers of, of all of this grit is sort of creating that powder, and then the water is dispersing that and moving it around. The waxes that they use in polychromos pencils, I know they're not, at least they're not advertising in the marketing department. They're not putting out anything in the brochures that are saying, okay, our polychromos line is water-soluble waxes uh, and oils. They're not. I mean, they're not saying that as being something that is water-soluble. But what I think is happening then is that the net effect of what you're able to produce is artwork that looks very, very similar to watercolor. So by contrast in that, have you tried using, say, like a, an Albert Durer um, watercolor pencil in that same format, dry, and then applying the water? I'm just curious, since it's still a Faber-Castell product, whether it's something about the way Faber-Castell makes it, or if, if yeah, I'm just That's curious. That's interesting. If, I, yeah, I've not tried that as a side-by-side -side comparison. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you this, after you build up layers of pencil and you've got dense layers of pencil, I can still go back on top of that with a water brush and it will still move that around. Now it doesn't, yeah, it still creates this fluid um, medium that you're working on, but it doesn't do it to the degree that it does on those initial layers. It's like you discovered time travel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's it's more amazing extreme, than time travel. Come on, it's now. more amazing. Come on now. Maybe in the colored pencil world. <laughs> Give me some credit. Like comparing like revolutionary science to like using water with colored pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should write a novel about. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm so excited about it. If you couldn't tell, I mean, I just think it's so. It's just so awesome to be able to. To do something, I, there's so many people that will tell me that, well, I would use OMS, but I'm afraid of it, you know, or I, I, I'm right. sensitive to the fumes or I just don't. And then you got the other camp that will say, well, there's no fumes and that kind of thing. It, it's still not healthy. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and sniff yeah. on it and drink it. Um, <laughs> if I had my option of not having to use it, why would I not try to explore that? I, I think that's a cool thing. And the thing we didn't even mention is. Water is slightly cheaper 
than OMS too. Just last slightly. I checked. <laughs> Depends where you live. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I think what's also again interesting. I'm not using Pellegrino. Yeah, exactly. You're not using bottled water to right. do your colored pencil drawings? <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, only tap water will do. You're right. Uh, the maybe highest quality. The tap water. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it's the tap water where you live. Maybe there's some sort of processes. <laughs> you don't know. I think it's interesting that you stumbled upon that because I would say it, it's it's things like that that are the reasons that there are um, advancements in the medium, right? Like at some point, somebody thought of using OMS with their colored pencil. Well, it's like, true. That's, right. uh, you know, so... And whether it was by accident or deliberate, I think it's interesting that, you know, it's it's one of those things that sometimes you have to just, whether it's a happy accident or, again, something that you're intentionally trying to find, um, right. it, it's that's how things advance with certain mediums is that somebody had to figure out. Trying, trying something different, thinking outside the box, and right. And I, I would say, and I would encourage too, um, to anyone listening that you know, don't be afraid to do those things. You may be afraid to, but but do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, do it anyway. Like, why not? I mean, right. that said, there are limitations to things because, for example, a really popular solvent people like to use is olive oil or something yeah. like that. And I mean, yeah. that's yeah. not. It's not archival. You still want to be archival. You right, just right. Like yeah, you throw you still anything wanna, in there. Yeah, you still want to think yeah. about the the long term effects yeah. of whatever it is you're gonna totally you're gonna do. But experiment. That, Don't be afraid yeah, to experiment. That said, yeah, that said, I mean, just because you're you know, olive oil might not be the right thing to use, but say maybe like a walnut oil that's being used for oil paint or something potentially could work. I mean, I, I don't a hundred percent know all the, um, well, somebody had to try it on that too, but yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, don't be afraid to, you know, if you have an idea, like, why not try it out? Like you never know what you're going to discover. And in the process, I would also say, you know, something that you're kind of discovering is that this is allowing you to potentially, you know, sort of go into a completely different style or, or establish something that is going to be unique to you. And sometimes that's how you find those things. Like we were talking about earlier, just approaching colored pencil almost from just using OMS washes. Like, right. I don't know if anyone's really tried doing that. Like, why not try that? Maybe, you you know, like maybe, maybe you could come up with something cool, like just because it's not the typical usage. Yeah. I mean, that. well, I started teaching this and I I do show students how to do this now. And and there's, there's a course inside my sharpened artist Academy. I'm very proud of it. And there's three different projects that we walk through inside that particular course. And I also show how you can use the water process and OMS in the same project, because I think a lot of artists are coming from that direction. Anyway, they're already using OMS in their work. And so, incorporating this other technique, which makes it a different type of fluid medium than when you use OMS, I think is a good skill just to have within your arsenal. And I've also taught a workshop where we went through that entire process and we worked uh, through using water in those initial stages, actually on pastel mat. It does work well on pastel mat. You just don't get quite the same effect as you do uh, working on sanded paper. But, you know, the, one of the saddest things I think is when people feel like they're not allowed to experiment. And I've actually heard, I heard a teacher say one time, I'm not going to experiment with my artwork. I'm not going to experiment with artwork. Like, <laughs> why not? That's how Beauty you of find art. out what works and what doesn't work. And it's fun. Besides all that, it's yeah. fun. 
It's funny that you say that because I think in all this talk of technical skill and and all those sort of things that, you know, we can get really wrapped up in talking about, people sometimes forget that this should be fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It needs to be fun. Yeah, like you're not, uh, this isn't- uh, It's not work. This isn't, yeah, this isn't like- It's not supposed to be punishment. Trying to cure disease here. (laughs) Right. Right. It's not that serious. No, I mean, at the end of the day, it should be- it should be fun and it should be, you know, you should be enjoying the process of what you're yes. doing. I mean, I think if if at any point it's making you angry, like, yeah. you know, I mean, there's there's frustration that comes with you know, wanting to be able to do something, whatever. But that's certainly. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I just meant in general, like, you know, if, if you like colored pencil, but you don't like how rigid it is, like, try doing something different with yeah. it, you know, like, yeah. try being more expressive with it just because... The popular way, I mean, I think a really good example, again, is if you look at painting, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if if nobody had decided to try and, and paint abstractly or impressionistically, right. there would only be one style of painting. And, and how that boring would, be would that be? I mean, re- seriously. Well, yeah, I mean, you think of, you There's know. so what many dip- influences you know, because of all those other expressions. Yeah, and I mean, whatever your opinion on modern art is, I mean it doesn't really matter. The point is that it is, it is a different expression and it is a different um, way of using the medium. And, and really like as much as sometimes there are rules with art really at the end of the day, part of what I think makes art so great is that a lot of times there aren't rules and that's That's the whole point. It's like, you know, it's allowing you this freedom to be able to express yourself in a way that, that doesn't make you feel encumbered by Mm -hmm. a set of rules especially if that's something you're feeling in other areas of your life like don't impose that on yourself in in this because at the end of the day if you're not enjoying it and it's not bringing you some sort of joy like i mean why are you why are you doing it that's right yeah yeah (laughs) it should i i totally agree with that i totally resonate with that that it, it should feel like this this is you it should feel like this is something i can control i can do and i i can have freedom in this i may not be able to control other things maybe i can't control my bills maybe i can't control different life events that are happening around me but i can at least control what i'm doing in my art and i can have freedom and i can have fun with that and you're creating something that others can even enjoy and that's that's an awesome thing yeah it's it's something that i think isn't appreciated enough and and people need to again as much as we talk about technicality and improving your skills and that sort of thing like what it comes down to like don't get so caught up in that that you forget to enjoy the process along the way and enjoy the actual act of doing it don't forget to smile yeah i mean there are there are a lot of things that can be unenjoyable in this world so like you know, don't make art one of those things for yourself. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago I remember somebody leaving the medium. They were all excited for about a minute, you know, for about a year, actually. And then she said, the severe, that's what she, her words, the severe detail that everyone thinks you have to have with colored pencil has really turned me off from the medium. And she doesn't do colored pencil anymore. You know, what's interesting about that, too, is that I, I think I, I would say in the in the beginning when I was experimenting with color pencil and learning color pencil in this way, it almost that kind of almost turned me off, yeah. too. And it's not that I am not able to do the high detail right, stuff. Right. Um, 
I think you and I have talked about, like, for me, it comes down partially to a patience thing. I yeah. just, I don't want to spend hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. working on one piece. A matter and, of priority, you know, it's like. Yeah, and, and that's for, for a multitude of reasons, for sure. Right. But, but what I also realized, too, is that I'm like, why am I letting other people determine the type of art I'm making with a medium? Exactly. Well, I paint the way I want to paint. Why am I all of a sudden setting myself in this position where I think that I have to follow a certain set of rules if I'm going to use colored pencil? Like, I, I, yeah. I'm going to create the kind of art that I want to create. And nobody told you to do that, but it's in our head because we're yeah. influenced by other images that we see. For sure. The high realism that we're, we're seeing now, even currently, mm-hmm. I think you probably will agree with this, Barb, is... Uh, using like a an exacto knife or a straight pin or something, and creating like yeah. little teeny tiny creases in Lines. the skin and things like that is like, what? do we really need to do that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I fine mean, if somebody wants to do that, but I'm I'm just saying, yeah, it does influence the way that you think about it. Yeah, I th- I think the the message that people need to hear, and I, I would just say to anyone, if you're feeling that kind of pressure to only create colored pencil art a certain way. Don't feel that way. Yes, right. <laughs> I think like do do what feels authentic to you. Like make the kind of art that feels authentic to you. Right. Because at the end of the day, while while I you know, I think both you and I have nothing but respect for people who can create art to the level that we're talking oh, about, yeah, the hyper realism and, and whatever, that is not the only way you are allowed to create right, color right. pencil art. You can you can make it however you want to use it. There's there's nothing right. saying that um you know But it whether, sets up that expectation in your head. Yeah. yeah. Well for sure. But I mean just because there are a group of people that are saying well, this is how we like it. It doesn't mean that that's the only way it has to be. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, we both live in free countries. <laughs> Last time I checked. Right. So, you know, <laughs> and I mean, it, you know, the, I don't think there's there's not going to be like a colored pencil police that's going to show up on your door and be like, I'm sorry, we're going to need to take your pencils <laughs> Give away. Give me all your like, pencils. <laughs> Give me all your pencils. You've done the Restore wrong Store them in this bin. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You've, yeah. You've it's, given up your rights. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's so true. And I, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you as well today. If you're listening and you're thinking I can't compete, you know, I see all these images of these highly detailed photorealistic images and I just, I can't compete. Well, you don't have to compete. Like we said, you can create something that is something that you enjoy, even subject matter. You know, it doesn't have to be something that where you're copying a photo, you feel like you're having to pay strict attention to all the details in a photo. You can create something totally different. And that's what I love about this medium colored pencil. It's so versatile. There's room for all kinds of art in colored pencil. Plenty of room in the pool. Jump in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i think too it, it really sets you apart from everyone else if you are doing something different Absolutely. i mean i think i've mentioned him before but there's an art, artist out of australia who does um i think it's mostly like he does a lot of ax- abstraction and a lot of um uh rocks and stuff like that but i mean he, oh he, i think i know who color. you're talking about yeah you know what i'm talking about Is yeah name richard uh, i'm I think so. I'm sorry. I don't remember your name if you're listening <laughs> offhand. I follow somebody, you on Instagram. <laughs> somebody will. Somebody will email me and tell me. I know. <laughs> I feel bad, but no, no. I, I, I his artwork always stands out to yeah, me because me you know he's doing things again. He's doing it very abstractly. He's using a lot of flat color. Yeah. There's not a lot of like 
you know, and it's and, interesting and stuff is, though. It is, it it's totally good is. Stuff. And it's, yeah, it stands out because right. it's different. And right. I mean, I, I talk about Esther Roy a lot because I right. love her, but anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love her work, but like, yeah, I mean, even her stuff, like she's doing stuff color wise, like her stuff is not like, she has an element of realism to her work, but her color palette oh, sure. is not realistic. No, it's not. No. And and, but it sets her apart, and but it's, it's authentic to her. Yeah. Authentic to her, yeah, and it's beautiful. And she's she's doing work that you know, in my opinion, is is the type of work she right. wants to be doing. And yeah, she's still playing in that that element again of realism, but she's doing it in her own way. And I think you know, those are the things that I I very strongly always right. want to encourage people to do is just to find your own voice with the medium. Don't feel like you have to follow what everyone else is doing right. just because that seems to be what everyone is doing. Well, it's just like Holly Bedrosian as well. I mean, she's another one that she'll create these highly realistic uh, pieces and and the uh, photo realism of the portrait that she's portraying is quite evident. But then the background often is very intuitive, loose Mm -hmm. and expressive. And I Mm -hmm. love that about her work as well. Yeah. Well, I I suppose the list could go on and on. And maybe, are we done? (laughs) We we just stand here and just like talk about all the people that we love. Maybe someone came to your mind that we didn't mention, and maybe you know the names of some of these people and <laughs> that we couldn't remember. You can always email us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. You can also comment in the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. This is a weekly show, and we'll be back again next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Thank you.